y'all doing today? Come on, it's almost over for summer. Summer's almost over. You know what that means? Fall is on its way. Where's all my fall people at? Where's all my pumpkin spice latte people at? I woke up this morning, it was 60 degrees at our house, and we've been in Tulsa, Oklahoma, the missions conference, where it's been 100 degrees all week, and so I was actually pretty pumped to come home. I'm like, I love New England. I'm done with the heat. This last couple of weeks has been just a little too much. Anybody else? <laughs> done with the heat. Done with the heat. Hey, my name is Josh Roberts. I'm the lead pastor here at International Family Church. On behalf of my wife, our team, our elders, and our staff, we just want to say welcome home. If, if I haven't met you or we haven't met you, I'll be in the foyer afterwards. I'd love to greet you. We really do believe that you're in the right place today. You know, I pray this every week that I'm in the right place at the right time with the right people doing the right thing. <clears throat> I pray that over myself. I probably say it 10 times a day. It's kind of my internal monologue. And you know what? I always find myself in the right place with the right people doing the right thing and God's favors on it. And I don't know how you got here today or I don't know who drug you to church today, but I want to tell you this. God has something he wants to speak to you. I said he has something he wants to speak to you. Are y'all awake today? My voice is a little scratchy, so I'm going to need your help today. I blew my voice out during first service. Where's all my second service folks at? I really believe that. I believe that um, in the season that we find ourselves in as a church, that when we gather, it shouldn't just be about going for another Sunday. That we come with expectation in our hearts, in our minds, expecting God to show up and minister to us collectively as a church, but also to us individually. Amen? This last week, Steph and I were in Tulsa, Oklahoma at World Outreach Church, and they had their Fire for the Nations conference. It's their yearly missions conference. And I got to tell you, God supernaturally connected us um, with this church again. Steph and I both got our start in ministry there. In fact, I see some of our friends from Orlando here. Pastor Norm Du Bois hired both of us when we were crazy young and stupid and trusted us, and we got to go home this week and be with Pastor Mark and Janet and minister to missionaries that came in from all over the globe. I want to say at the beginning of the service right here, thank you for your generosity. You know, every week we get up and we take up tithes and offerings. We receive tithes and offerings. But the thing I love about this church is your generosity speaks for who you are as a congregation. And this week, Steph and I had two divine encounters. We met a young couple with two kids who are from Paris, France. They just recently moved over to Normandy, and they have four prayer groups. They call them fire bases, where they're literally gathering people together just to pray for revival in Europe. And then Steph and I met another couple. They have five kids. Everybody say five kids. You just got tired, didn't you? <laughs> Five kids, and for the last many years, they've been in China smuggling Bibles into the underground church. And they came home for COVID to get their visas renewed, and they haven't been able to go back. And this morning, they're flying to Turkey, and they're going to begin to start a brand new work there until they can get back to China. I said all that to say, man, we sowed significant seed to both of those couples on your behalf. I took the seed that you sow on a normal day. 
and we took it to Tulsa. And this morning, there are people receiving the gospel in Turkey because of your generosity. And I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. I love, um, I love being able to be a blessing, and it's us collectively doing what we do, which allows us. One day, we'll stand before God, and we'll meet people that say, hey, I'm part of IFC. And you're going to say, what service did you come to? And they're going to say, we never came to a service, but your giving made way for the gospel to be preached in my nation. And so I feel like I'm a part of you, Miss Jenna. I feel like I'm a part of your church and your family. Your seed went before you. I was telling first service, I, I like to reheat food. I think reheated food is better. You ever had a twice-baked potato? It's where they bake the potato and then they pull it out of the oven and we slice it open and we fill it full of cheese and sour cream and all this other stuff and then we put it back in the oven and cook it a little bit longer. That's what we do with your seed here. You sow it and then we put it back in and we sow it again on your behalf. And so I want to just say, hey, you should expect something big to happen for you. Your seed has been twice sown this week. Amen. Forgive me if my throat is a little sore. I got a little excited at the missions conference. I want to take a few minutes and recap where we were last week. If I have seized your home or you normally come here, I typically, we teach in series format. And before six weeks, we'll take a topic and we'll just dive into it and break it down for four or six weeks. But right now in the season we're in as a church, I really felt the Holy Spirit say, I just want you to preach what I give you for this week. I want you to preach, Josh, not something that's prepared eight weeks ahead or ten weeks ahead, which is great the Holy Spirit can do that, but I want to preach something that he's been speaking to me. Last week I started a message about resilience. Everybody say resilience. And I define resilience as the ability to stand in the face of adversity. Last week I shared a little bit about how we've all come out of a pandemic and even as a church family We're coming out of some crazy seasons, but God's called us to stand strong in the face of adversity and the challenges that the enemy wants to throw at us to try to slow us down. And last week I talked about how although we've come out of the pandemic for the the most part, many of us limped out. I said we limped out. We dug deep and we survived, but we're, we're running on empty right now and our soul's need to be replenished. They need to be rehydrated. The Spirit of God needs to be strengthened on the inside of us for the day that we are in right now and the days that are to come. Are you awake today? My prayer is that today you would take inventory of your soul and your spirit. Just so we're all on the same page, I've been saying this now for, for many, many years, but I find myself saying this weekly almost here at IFC, and that is, I am a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in a body. Would you say that with me? Say, I have a spirit. Say, I am a spirit. I have a soul, and I live in this ugly body. I love it. You got to speak to your body, you got to speak to your soul, and you've got to speak to your spirit. But I want you to know this you are first, everybody say first, a supernatural being. You're a supernatural being. And then, along with that supernatural being, you have a soul. I like to define your soul as your mind, 
your will and your emotions. And for many of us, our soul has been sucked dry. We've been given everything to our families, to our job, to our kids, to our neighbors. And we've skated out of the pandemic and we're alive in our bodies, but our souls are depleted. Our souls are weak and we have to, as Christ followers and as a collective church, take time to refill our souls. Jeremiah 2, verse 12 and 13, I shared this last week. It says the heavens are shocked and they shrink back in horror and dismay. Because my people have done two evil things. Number one, they have abandoned me in the fountain of living water. And they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. Many of us are in a state of spiritual dehydration and our spirits are starved. Two years of the pandemic have left us drive and the truth is, is we don't have a check engine light for your soul. I'm the guy that when the check engine light comes on, my wife says, you better take the car. And I'm like, oh, it's good. We'll be fine. It just means we need an oil change or something. She said, if this car blows up, it's your fault. And all the women said, and all the husbands said, oh, me. We don't have a check engine light for our souls, and we, and we don't have an e-light for our spirits saying that we're running on empty. For many of us, we bought into what I'm calling comfort culture. During the pandemic, we were through so much. We had so much thrown at us that society saying, you know what? You've done a good job. Just do whatever makes you feel good. And I want to tell you that is anti-Christ. For you and I are not called to do whatever makes us feel good, to help us pacify the time or to help us get through another day. The only way that we persevere and stay resilient is through the fountain of life found in our relationship. Somebody help me with Jesus Christ. And so as the world turns to the bottle or to a hobby or to Netflix to numb the pain, the church of Jesus Christ has got to rejuvenate our souls and our spirits so that we can be strong in the face of adversity. In my heart, yes, we've come through the pandemic, but what's next? What would it be next that the enemy would use to disband us and break us up, and keep us disillusioned and dry in our spirits? He wants to do it because he doesn't want the church to accomplish her mission. He wants you and I to sit down and tap out and quit. For many of us, we've filled our souls with junk, bad news, and worry. And what we need to do as believers is feed our spirits, feed our spirits, and feed our spirits from the fountain of life. The truth is, is inside of us is a well, and it's not something that we build. It was something that was put into us through our relationship with Jesus. And it's something that we have to draw up from the inside of us, but you can only draw up what you put in. Let me ask you this. What's filling your soul today? What's filling your mind, your will, your choices, and your emotions? What are they dominated by today? For many of us, it's fear and anxiety and pressure from society 
And you and I are called to live from the inside out, not the outside in. Father, I thank you for these amazing people. Thank you for speaking to them. Give me boldness to declare your word as you placed it in my heart. Lord, help us to incline our ear for what you want to say to us as individuals and as a body. Pray that your word is forever settled in heaven. It's the sure foundation. It's the one thing we can trust in. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're taking notes in John 7, 37, out of the Amplified Classic, it says, Now on the final and most important day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried in a loud voice. He said, If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The, 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 the context for the scripture is he's at the Feast of Tabernacles and it's a multiple day event. And he's there by himself, kind of incognito, because there's a group of people that are looking for him and they want to kill him because they think that maybe he might be the Messiah. And there's another group of people that want to kill him because they think that he's counting himself as the Messiah and he's an imposter. And so he goes to the feast, and he's kind of by himself. He's not with the disciples. And all of a sudden, he begins to yell out, cry out, if any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me and cleaves to and trusts in and relies on me, as the scripture has said, listen to this, from his innermost being, shall flow continuously springs and rivers of living water. I want to tell you this today, that inside of you is a well, and that well determines your destiny. What we put in determines what can be drawn out. Today I want to talk for just a few minutes about drawing from the well inside. And I want to talk about the importance of filling your well with the word. Everybody say the word. If you're new to IFC, we believe the Bible's true from the first page all the way to the maps. We are what we call word-first people. We believe <coughs> that the Word of God is true no matter what any other information source may reveal. We believe that the Word is true back then. We believe it's true for our lives right now, and we believe it will be true for the generations to come. We have decided as a family, we are word-first people. Say it out loud. I am a word-first person. So if we're going to draw from the well where the word is, we have to put the word inside of us. I was reading some statistics, and it says that eight out of ten households own a Bible. Let me be on the Bible. But the same households, only two out of those 10 people read a little bit every day systematically. Most people I find, they don't read the Bible because they don't understand it and they don't have a plan. Let me ask you this. If you were thirsty and starving, would you find some water no matter where you could get it? And would you make it a plan to rehydrate yourself? The truth is, is I would drink out of a mud puddle if I was starving because I know even that little bit would nourish me and help keep me alive for even a few more minutes 
or a few more days, I wouldn't be that picky. And I would go from there to find the next Bible, the next living word. Are you with me? To sustain my spirit. For most of us, we've gotten lazy and we've gotten comfortable and we've gotten cloudy in our daily intake of the word. I shared this with you last week where I I was recently dehydrated. Too much Red Bull, too much coffee, not enough water. Where's all my coffee drinkers? Too much coffee, too much Red Bull and not enough water. And my symptoms were I was tired, I was fatigued, my, I was dizzy at times. My clarity was unfocused. I, I couldn't accomplish anything. What was it? It was a lack of fueling myself with water. And I want to challenge you to check your spirit and to check your soul. When was the last time you put the word, the living water, in your well so that it would be there when you needed it to draw it up? Can I just tell you this? Your Bible on your coffee table does you no good unless you open it. Gets quiet in here when you start talking about reading the Bible. For many of us, the Bible is something we put out for others to see, to think that we're religious or that we have morals. The truth is, is it's the bread of life. It's the living water. It's the only thing that will sustain us in times of adversity. Remember many years ago when I was a student pastor, I was talking to the students about reading the Bible and making it a priority and I'd ask the kids, why aren't you reading the Bible? And they would say, well, I don't understand. I don't understand what I'm reading, Pastor. My grandmother gave me this new King James. You're laughing because you got one, and you don't understand it. It's not just teenagers. For most of us, we don't read the Bible because we haven't found a translation that we can process, comprehend, and then walk out. And I want to tell you this, man, if you got to go get a little kid's Bible with the pictures so you can feed your soul, man, you got to do whatever you got to do. I remember bringing a message Bible and reading out of the message Bible. It's a paraphrase written by a old theologian who's passed now named Eugene Peterson, and I began to preach out of the message to the students week by week. And week by week, I stayed in this paraphrase, and I watched the kids get a hold of the Word of God. And they began to read it themselves, and they began to act on it, and they began to change their lives and change their habits. And month after month, more kids began to come. And more kids began to come. And more kids began to come. And what was once 80 students was now 250 kids. And people would say, what's going on? Revival's hit. And I said, no, they just understand it now. I want to challenge you to go back old school and find the book that speaks to you. Maybe it's an NLT. Maybe it's the Living Bible. It doesn't matter. It's the Living Word. Get a rhythm of get in a rhythm of putting the word in your well. The, the word is the source. It's the living water. Listen to this out of Joshua chapter one. It says, This book of the law, everybody say the book of the law. Shall not depart out of your mouth. But you shall meditate once a week. You shall meditate on it on Sunday nights when you go home after Pastor Josh has preached a great message. It says, you shall meditate therein day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in 
Then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. He's saying you must put the word in every day. How many of you eat one meal a day? She said three. You know, I got to be honest with you. Like, we're from the South, and, and, and we like to eat, as you can tell. We, we like to eat food, and, and down South, you eat three times a day. You wake up in the morning, man, there's biscuits and gravy. I said, there's biscuits and gravy. Y'all can shout right here, and then there's this thick cup bacon, and then there's eggs, and then there's toast. I mean, breakfast is a big deal, a bunch of coffee. And then guess what? About three hours later, it's lunchtime. Fried shrimp po' boy, french fries, big old sweet tea. And, and then there's this dinner that, you know, just seems to go on forever, like pot roast and potatoes, you know, homemade biscuits and rolls, you know, the kind of food you, you like clean the plate with it. That's the house I grew up in. But the truth is, is, is we had, and we still have a snack closet in our house. Y'all don't have snack closets? Like the snack closet, you go, but it's a whole cupboard just for snacks. It's got Twizzlers. It's got peanut M&Ms. It's got Doritos. It's got Funyuns. You remember Funyuns? Okay, I'm coming to y'all's house. In the snack closet is simply between meals, you can have a snack. So why is it that we feed our natural bodies Three times a day, but we starve our spirit, man. And we only feed him once a week when Pastor Josh brings it and force feeds it. I got to tell you, it ought not be that way. For the body of Christ in this season, the only way you're going to persevere and press on in your soul is to put the word into your well. So when you need it, you have something to draw up out of it. Psalm 119, 11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Someone said, I, I just can't stop sinning. Listen, it's very easy to remove sin from your life when you're full of the word. Nobody listening today. When you're full of the word, guess what? There's less room for the enemy to tempt you. Where does temptation always start? It starts right here in our mind. And then we say something with our mouth, and then we take action on those. I want to tell you, there's a great way to avoid sin and to move on, and that is stay full of the word. Fill your well full of the word. Fill your whole spirit full of the word, which will charge your soul. It'll change your mind. It'll change your will. It'll help you submit your thoughts unto him, the great creator. The Bible calls the fountain of life. Psalm 119 says, in 105, it says, the word, everybody say the word. word. It's a lamp to my feet and it's a light to my path. The truth is, is right now, most people are stumbling through the dark because they're making decisions based on external situations and circumstances. You and I have the ability to put the word in our well and we lead our lives from the inside out. Remember I told you, you have a spirit, you have a soul, and you have a body. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. The truth is, is for you and I, turn to your neighbor and say, that means you. We are not to be led like everybody else. For the world is led by outside circumstances and what's happening in this temporal time. But for you and I as believers, we are to be led by the light of the word from the inside. 
So what happens? When you begin to read God's word, you begin to feed your spirit, man, and your soul is then changed and replenished. When you read God's word daily, you fill your heart with his promises, leaving less room for doubts in your mind. When you read God's word daily, your path then becomes clear and your steps are then ordered. The more of his word that you read, it strengthens your spirit, man. Let me ask you this. What are you feeding your soul? Your soul your mind, your will, and your emotions. It's wild because even in the last two years through the pandemic, conversations change and people's faith has waned simply by the input that they've allowed into their ears and their eyes. Two years ago, it was flatten the curve. Two weeks, we got this. We're the mighty, mighty church. Four weeks into it, hey, we're the church. We got this. Four months into it, should we even go to church? Six months into it, does it even matter anymore? We find this next generation right now, there's this whole deconstruction process that's happening with young adults. Are you familiar with this? It's where young people are abandoning the roots that their parents put in them and the foundations of faith. And the reason they are abandoning their faith roots and foundations is because they stopped filling their well and they started feeding themselves comfort. Some would say, well, that would never happen to me. The truth is, is it can happen to any one of us. In the moment you decide that you don't need the word in your well, the enemy will be sure to put something else in your ears, which will drop into your heart. And then when you speak it, it changes your life. When you read God's word, clarity comes. Energy comes, strength comes, joy comes, and peace follows the word of God. So why do we put the word in us so we can fill our well so that at some other time when we need it, we could draw it up? How do you draw out of your well? You speak the word with your mouth. How do you draw up out of your spirit? You release faith with the words that you deposited through your ears and your eyes. Proverbs 20, 18, 21 says, the tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruits. See, speaking the word is like watering your garden. You hook your hose up to the source, and then you pull the trigger. My kids love the water hose. They're eight, three, and two. And this summer, the water hose has turned into the biggest strife, a contention of strife in our home because somebody's got the hose, and yet somebody else is getting sprayed. And so you want to make sure you're the one holding the hose. The kids love nothing more than to chase me around the yard. And we've got a spigot hooked to the side of the house. And we have a 100-foot hose that can go all over our yard. And I've got the high-pressure squeeze trigger. And so I could squeeze it from here and hit everybody on the back row. It's the same way with your life. You put enough word in you. You can disperse it to situations around you. You are the hose. I said, you are the hose. For us, we have to put the word in because at some point, you may come back and need the word to water your marriage. 
your children, your finances, your physical body, your mental health. The word is the water of the living fountain. Listen, let me ask this. What areas of your life are dry? What areas of your life need life? What areas of your life are dim, dark, and doomed? Because when you speak the word, you're speaking life. You're watering those areas with the fountain of life. When you read the word, you're filling your well. And when you speak the word, you're drawing up from that well. I grew up with a crazy dad. Anybody else have a crazy dad? Not like a little crazy, like he was crazy. Capital cray cray. And my dad believed that this was true, that, that God's word was the fountain of life. And he believed that when we were kids, if we would put the word in our well, then when we were old, we'd have something to draw up out of there. He was crazy enough to believe it that he would write on three by five cards, scriptures, and he would plaster them all over our house. So he'd get up in the middle of the night to get Ben and Jerry's. And right there on the refrigerators, 35 scriptures staring you in the face about gluttony, about watching your weight. This is the temple of the Holy Ghost. There were scriptures in our home, on our mirrors in our bathroom about our destiny, about our calling, about our purpose, about us hearing God's voice at a young age. And I got to tell you, it was my parents putting the word in my well as a little boy that's allowed me to stand for 22 years in ministry and navigate some crazy seasons to show up and pastor this crazy group of people here. You never know when you're going to need the word. You never know when calamity is going to hit. You never know when crisis will show up. For you and I, it's our responsibility to make sure the word is in us so we can use it for ourselves and for our families. I grew up with parents who gave us little confession booklets, and in those were scriptures. And every day before school, we had to recite the scriptures. What were we doing? We were drawing up from the well and speaking life over our future. Some people thought my parents were crazy. I think they were brilliant. I think they were brilliant because they knew that there would be dark times ahead and there would be a season at college where I would be pulled away from my faith, but all of a sudden the word would hold me to the sure rock. As kids, we had declarations that we spoke over our lives and at 46 years old, we still have declarations that me and my wife speak over our life multiple times a day. My son is eight years old. He'll be in the third grade this year and this summer. We gave him his own confession books and we wrote out his own declarations because he's bright enough to read now, which means he has the opportunity to put something in his well at eight years old. And when he goes to class in a few weeks, I know that he will stand strong in his faith and become everything God has for him because in those moments, he'll be able to draw up the bread of life. I thought I would share a few of my affirmations or declarations with you today. This week on our social media, I'll have Bailey put these, but these are some that I say on a daily basis and 
All I'm doing is I'm getting up in the morning. I'm going to bed. I'm, I'm drawing up from the well. Some of them sound like this. I'm fully forgiven and free from all shame and condemnation. I'm fully forgiven and free. I'm free from all shame and condemnation. What am I doing? I'm speaking to my soul. When it tries to remind me of my past, I remind him under the blood I'm free. And there's no shame or condemnation in my life. I'm telling my soul what to think. I say, I act in audacious faith to change the world in my generation. I have no fear or anxiety. I trust in the Lord with all my heart, according to Proverbs 3, Philippians 4, and 1 Peter 5. Many of you know my story, but in 2010, I was in a full-on depression and didn't even know it. I thought it was normal. To not want to get out of bed and not want to interact with people. It turned down invitation after invitation to go have fun and do things that I used to love. And I found myself in a place a year later where my wife is pregnant with our son and I began to have panic attacks over and over and over. As a grown man, it's sad when you're driving down the road and you're trucking 80 miles an hour and you have so much emotion overwhelm you, you have to pull your car over to the side of the road wake up in the middle of the night and the enemy would be telling me that baby inside your wife's belly never going to meet you because your throat's going to swell up and you're not going to be able to breathe crazy thoughts crazy thoughts now I remember sitting up in bed with Steph and I woke up and she said what's wrong and my sinus was all congested I really couldn't breathe and I said my throat's going to close I'm going to die she said no you're not and, and, and uh, as my voice sounded like this I got out of that bed in my underwear and I began to march around our bedroom and I said this fear and anxiety you have no place in my life I said it out loud I have no fear or anxiety for I trust Josh Roberts trusts in the Lord with all my heart. And I don't lean to my own natural understanding. Now listen, I didn't just do it one time. I marched around. And I got louder. And I got louder. And I got louder. And I got louder. And my wife probably thought I was crazy. But I thought I was dying. And in that moment, I got the boldness of the Holy Spirit come on me. I have no fear. I'm fearless. The righteous are as bold as a lion. Anxiety, you have no place in my mind. I begin to speak to the thoughts. You know, a lot of people, they want to fight thoughts with thoughts. Well, just think good vibes. That's a bunch of trash. No good vibes are going to get you out of anxiety or depression. The living word, Jesus Christ, released through your mouth, is the thing that lines your mind back up. And I begin to say things like, I have the mind of Christ. I find myself in Christ. My identity is in Him. My mind is clear. And then I begin to speak to the thoughts. And they say, oh, you know, I, I remember her leaving the house. Dr. Tim, she'd leave the house. And the enemy would say, that's the last time you're going to see your wife. You're going to raise this baby by yourself. And I started laughing. And I said, that's not my thought. I don't think those kind of thoughts. That's a thought of fear, anxiety. 
I have the mind of Christ. And so there was a season for almost two years where I became a lunatic with the gospel. Every time a thought came, I just unloaded my well. I just unloaded my well with every scripture that I had in me. I can tell you this, guys. That was 10 years ago. I have zero anxiety. I have zero depression. My mind is clear. I'm free. But what was it? I decided that this wasn't who God created me to be. I took the authority of his word. I put it in my well, and I drew it up. I say this every day. I'm able to fulfill God's calling that he's placed on my life. I'm fully resourced to do everything he's called me to do. I have no insecurity because I see myself in him in the way that he sees me. I declare over my family. Listen to this. Listen to this. So many people are dealing with marriage issues. And we're dealing with it laying down as if, well, I guess we will just get divorced. I guess that we're just going to go our separate ways. I want to tell you to get in the word and draw up out of you the word from Deuteronomy 6, Ephesians 5, Colossians 3, and 1 Peter 3. I declare this in my life every day. I'm a faithful spouse. I'm a godly parent. And our family is blessed. I say this on a daily basis. I'm completely whole, physically, mentally, and emotionally. I'm increasing in influence and favor for the kingdom of God. I'm enabled to walk in the sacrificial love of Christ. I'm protected from all harm and danger. No evil shall come near my home. Some of us, it's been a long time since we declared the word over our kids. And I'm going to tell you this. It's your responsibility. It's been a long time since we've declared the word over our mind and our physical bodies and our relationships. And I say for me and my house, we're going to continue to serve the Lord. We're going to continue to fill our well so that we can fulfill what he's called us to do. I'll end with this and I... I pray you've been provoked today. I came to step on your toes a little bit because you and I have a responsibility. Nobody can take charge of your soul but you. Nobody can take charge of your spirit, man, but you. Here's where the tough part comes in. Not only is it your responsibility to make sure that your soul is nourished and growing and developing in the image and likeness of Christ. It's also about stewardship because life isn't all about you. I can tell you this, when you're anxious and you're depressed, everything becomes about you. I've been there and every thought and choice you're robbed of and you become selfish. And it's a plot of the enemy against the body of Christ to put fear and anxiety and worry and depression on us because then he isolates us and we're called to be a body. And the truth is, is it comes back to stewardship because it's not just me stewarding my life, it's me stewarding what God's put in me for you and for those around me. You say, well, I don't know if I could do it for myself. Do it for your kids. Put something in your well for your neighbors.
Put something in your well and draw it up for those co-workers, for those people that God's called you to minister to. Remember, you're a supernatural being. You are a spirit. You have a soul. And you live in a body. So if you're a spirit first, you understand that we're only here for a season. I said you're only here for a season. And the enemy's greatest desire is to distract you during this season so you miss out on what he's called you to do in the church age. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I would love just to pray for you. Thank you for allowing me to yell and scream and hoop and holler for a few minutes. Right now, I'm pretty passionate about this because I'm watching many people stagger in their faith, but it didn't start in their faith, it started in their mind. But the thought of distraction, it started with a seed that was planted and they allowed it to take place in their well. And because of it, they're being robbed of their joy, their peace, and their destiny. And today I declare that will not be you. Father, I thank you for your word that you gave to your people. It is the fountain of life for a weary soul. I thank you that your word, when exercised and released by faith, it strengthens our inner man, allowing us to fulfill our purpose and our destiny. Father, I speak to those minds today that are distracted. Command you to be still in Jesus' name. I speak peace over every household. I speak peace over every child, every grandparent, mother and father, every teenager in this house. Lord, we declare that the peace of God rules and reigns in our hearts, but also in our minds. Through Christ Jesus. Holy Spirit, we invite you into our personal life today and tonight and tomorrow. Prompt us and nudge us, harass us until we fill our well with the Word. Holy Spirit, lead us to the scriptures and the stories and the illustrations found in your book that we need to charge ahead. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen, amen.